Agencies don't like when bidders on services contracts go with people whom they switch out when or after the contract is awarded. Is it a crummy practice or a material modification? And what if the person in question becomes unavailable because of illness? That's what happened in one case, as we hear about it, from procurement attorney Joseph Petrillo of Petrillo and Powell. And Joe, uh, this bait and switch... That's, I guess, the contracting officer's point of view. But what really happened? Well, what happened in this case, and this is the uh, a, a case brought by Chenega Healthcare Services, Inc., um, they were bidding on a services contract for the Department of Energy to provide um, high-level staffing for their uh, training uh, center in uh, New Mexico. And... As part of this, of course, they had to propose a project manager who was the uh, the key person in in the arrangement, and and they were the incumbents, so they already had someone who was fulfilling that role, and they uh, proposed that individual. Uh, while uh, after the uh, proposals had been uh, submitted, and while they were being reviewed, uh, that individual came, became ill. They proposed uh, under the contract they had. They, they they offered an alternate, which is was required because that person was a key personnel under the contract they were then performing, and uh, that person was accepted. So now you have a situation where um, their offer was premised on uh, a key person who was not going to be available because of illness, and the government happened to know about that uh, because they were performing the contract and. Uh, they knew this person was was not going to be uh, working there. Uh, the government submitted a clarification question to Chenica and said, you know, is your key person still available? And they, of course, uh, responded honestly, nope, uh, he, he isn't, but we have this alternate who you've already accepted. Uh, what happened next was interesting. Um, as we've talked about in the past, the Government Accountability Office believes, and they have case law to this effect, that if a key person becomes unavailable, uh, the offeror has to provide notice to the government even after proposal submission. And they're obligated to do that, even though there's no regulation or, or rule that, that says they need to. It's just case law that GAO has developed. Well, here, uh, the agency happened to know about it because of the incumbent uh, performance, and they went ahead and disqualified uh, the proposal of Chenega. Chenega went to GAO and to the Court of Federal Claims and could not prevail in its protest to have their alternate person considered for this position under the procurement. It's uh, It was really a very difficult situation they were put in because the person they had uh, initially proposed was just unhealthy and couldn't perform the work. So just to make an analogy, it's almost as if in a hardware contract that you bid a certain piece of hardware for something, say a computer or whatever, a car, and change the brand, that would be considered a material change. So if you change people and services, then you have made a material change. Is that what was basically established here? What was established really was that this was a change in the proposal. And since it was after proposal submission, it was late. The part that I find confusing about this um, whole doctrine and the way it was applied in this case is the agency specifically asked the offeror, is your key person still available? And the offeror responded, no, they've had health problems. They can't perform the contract. So we have this alternate. If that discussion, if that communication went to proposal acceptability, it's ordinarily going to be 
to be considered opening discussions. And, you know, as part of opening discussions, the offeror has the opportunity to submit a revised proposal. Here, however, that didn't happen. And I don't see a really good explanation in either the GAO protest or the Court of Federal Claims case as to why that communication didn't constitute opening discussions and entitle the offeror to submit a revised proposal. We're speaking with uh, Joseph Petrillo. He's a procurement attorney with Petrillo and Powell in Washington. So suppose, I guess we can speculate, if the company had gone to the government and said, look, the person we've been bidding is gone and we have someone to substitute, could that have been seen as opening discussions? Um, well, that, that would be an offer by the uh, uh, or a proposal by the offeror to initiate discussions. But of course, it's the government that has to do that. So you can ask that discussions be initiated, but unless the government you know, actually uh, begins the communication process and, and fosters it, there aren't discussions. There's, a, there's another strange aspect to this case, which is th that the government knew that there was a, a substitute and had already accepted the substitute person as the key personnel under the incumbent contract. The offeror, Chenega, argued in both protests that this information was too close at hand for the government to ignore. But in both protests, the case law on that doctrine of too close at hand was cited to say that it only applies in the case of past performance information which is true. But it is kind of strange that here the government actually had accepted a substitute under the incumbent contract, but did nothing under the competition to allow the offeror to substitute the new person uh, for the one who's, who had become unavailable uh, through no fault of the offerors. So the government knew that they had already substituted someone because they were there as the incumbent contractor, and then went ahead and asked if Joe Blow, who has was already gone and known to the government, was Joe Blow available? And they found out no, and that blew up the deal. Exactly. I think it shows um, how one has to have, well, in the past, there's been a sort of hard and fast rule that you look at the proposals as they were submitted as of the date of proposal submission. Subsequent events aren't factored in, you aren't usually factored into the evaluation. There's kind of an exception for past performance information, but that's a bit of a different uh, type of thing. In this instance, there's now another exception, and, and that is for the unavailability of, of key personnel. Unfortunately, it's only the unavailability, at, which is the exception. It's not the unavailability and the uh, ability to substitute someone for <laughs> the unavailable key person. Uh, so we, we have kind of a an unusual um, exception to the late proposal rule and, and, and the evaluation of proposals as of the date of submission, which is uh, causing offerors to uh, be disqualified for uh, things like bad health of key personnel. Joe Petrillo is a procurement attorney with Petrillo and Powell. I think we got that one straightened out. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. With Target Red Card, you'll save 5% every day, in-store and online. Find the Red Card that's right for you, whether it's debit, credit, or Target's new Red Card Reloadable, which doesn't require an existing bank account or credit check. With Target Red Card, you'll get exclusive deals and free shipping on most items. Visit Target.com slash Red Card to get all the details. It's always a great day to save. Restrictions apply.